reading this morning is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for so long, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone else always gets in ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up a sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he, replied, but he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you're well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man, the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. This morning we, we continue our series looking at John's Gospel and we're at John's Gospel 5. Um, and uh, we're going to explore um, today Jesus the Great Physician. Um, at the beginning of John 4, Jesus was in Judea and then he traveled up through Samaria uh, where last Sunday evening we looked at Jesus um, with his encounter with the Samaritan woman. Then he visits Cana and Galilee where he heals a royal official's son. He was close to death. And in this morning's reading, he's headed south again to Jerusalem. And it's a Sabbath, we're told. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethsaida, with five covered porches. In local custom, this is no ordinary pool where Jesus walks into. In Jesus' day, there was a belief that the waters, when the waters began to ripple and bubble up, this was caused by an angel. So the first to enter the pool when the water bubbled up would be healed. That's what they believed in that day. And maybe a more likely explanation, but maybe not, is that the pool of Bethsaida was fed by an underground natural spring which had healing resources and and when it bubbled up, people got into it. That might be an explanation. However, the former is not beyond the realms of possibility. We don't really know. Some theologians aren't that sure about it, so that bit about the angel coming down is actually removed from most um, translations of the Bible. But anyway, Jesus heads into the pool area, and we're told that there's a great number of sick people a great number of sick people were lying around. Those that society had either ignored or, or, or didn't want anything to do with. You know, the lame, the blind, the paralyzed. Those with incurable diseases. They're all there. A place where there'd been a lot of pain and very little hope. A place where, you know, despair hung heavy in the air. And this is where Jesus walks into. This is the place Jesus heads for. 
And with all these people lying there, he goes to one man. He approaches one man. One man was lying there. He had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Might seem a silly or even a stupid question. Why would you be lying there? Why would you be coming there all them years if you didn't want to get well? Of course he wanted to get well. However, the way the man actually answers Jesus, maybe Jesus' question wasn't so silly after all. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets in before me. I wonder how many years he's been sitting there. Day in, day out. Every time the water stirs up, someone gets there before him. Surely you would think over a long extended time that, you know, somebody would say, look, you know, you've been here 30 years. We're going to let you go. Or you would think he would have someone who was a good friend who put him at the edge of the pool and would just sort of push him in once the water would start. You know, come on, you're here long enough. In you go. Or maybe he was happy enough being there. Happy enough never getting into the pool. Happy enough being the poor me. Hoping others would feel sorry for him. We don't know. So what does Jesus do? He solves the problem. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly this man was healed he rolls up a sleeping mat and he begins walking, and there he goes, out, away. An amazing miracle. After 38 years, this guy is totally and utterly healed. He gets up and walks off, but, but it's interesting. There's no jumping up and down and praising God where we hear in other stories. There's no, thank you, Jesus. I want to be one of your disciples. There's nothing of that at all. He just heads off into the crowd. And probably everybody looking at this guy as he walks off and everybody looking at Jesus. We're told that the man had no idea who Jesus was. But trouble was just actually around the corner from him. This healing actually was going to get him into trouble. It was the Sabbath, and, and one of the laws in the Sabbath was you couldn't work, and it was sort of saying if you were carrying your mat, that was the, decided that that would be work. And he heads off, mat underneath the arm, 38 years, first time he's able to walk, and he runs into somebody, some lovely religious leaders, probably Pharisees. And instead of them being amazed and excited about what has just happened to this guy, this miracle that's taken place, they're more concerned that he's carrying a mat. They're more concerned he's a mat underneath it. Can't do that on the Sabbath. There's none of this, wow, you're able to walk. How did that happen? What are you doing carrying the mat? You're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. However, before we're, we're too hard on the, these religious leaders, the thing is, you know, religious people, people whose lives are controlled by the law or tradition, 
or those of us who can't get our heads around that God can do whenever he, whatever He wants, whenever He wants, with whoever He wants, those of us that struggle with the impossible nature of God, oh, what would we be like in that situation? You see, we like to be in control, all of us. Well, we want to admit it or not, we like to be in control. And if we don't under, understand everything, if it doesn't fit into the box that we've created in the world of how we understand things and even how we understand God, then if something happens, oh, I'm not so sure about that. We either totally dismiss it or we walk far away from it. And our conclusion can be, well, I'm, I'm not sure that's God at all. I'm not sure that's God at all. And folks, we can all fall into this so easily. It's so easy to do. So easy to do because our lives can condition us to do that. The world can condition us. But what should be our scales for weighing up whether God is at work or God is not at work? How should we weigh up if God can do something or God cannot do something? It has to be the Bible. It has to be the Bible. It has to be Scripture. And right through Scripture, God is a God of the impossible. And actually, a man getting up and walking is quite down there, really. For what God has done. And while this man has been physically healed, there's still some work to be done spiritually. See, just because someone receives God's healing, or someone is really touched by God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean to say they're all sorted with God, and they're all right with God, and, and, and we should look at them that way, and they should view it that way. That is not the case. I've seen plenty of examples in my time where that is not the case. And this man's no different. He is physically healed, but spiritually his life's in a mess. And we're told that Jesus actually seeks him out. Jesus goes and seeks him out. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you're well, so stop sinning or something even worse will happen to you. Sort your life out spiritually. Physically, you're really well now, but spiritually, you're not in a very good place at all. The man goes away and, you know, he actually speaks up for Jesus. He actually said, well, look, now I know. The man went away and we're told, told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Two simple questions to take away this morning from this encounter at the pool of Bethesda. First one, do you want to get healed? Do you want to be made well? Jesus asked the man this question. He didn't get a straight answer. He, he, he sort of got an excuse or maybe a good reason. I, I don't know. I have no one to put me in the pool when it bubbles up. For us, you know, if you're asked that this morning, you know, yes, of course I want to get, if we're not well, if you're not well today, whatever that may be, physically or emotionally, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? Of course you would. Or would you? Would you? Do we always want to get well? You know, it's easy to let illness or hurt from the past or a sense of a injustice that's been done against us to define who we actually are. In fact, actually to become 
our identity and our reason, our reason for living. You know, we actually can enjoy the addiction that we have and we don't want release from it. The desire for revenge is so strong. It's what keeps us going every day. You know, to be physically healed, released from the past hurts, to be broken free from whatever entangles us, we have no idea then what to do with the rest of our lives because it's defined us for so long. You know, to be healed, to be made well can change our relationships. It can affect us financially. It can totally transform our lives. So we can make excuses for that not to happen. Of course, that's not all of us. In fact, it's probably a very few of us and it's definitely not all of us who suffer uh, physically or emotionally. Yet the re reality is that in society and in the church, it is some of us. Our identity is in our pain, our suffering, and our brokenness. Our livelihood and standard of living is actually in our pain, our sickness, and our brokenness. Our security is in our pain, our suffering, and our brokenness. Our future is in our pain, our suffering, and our brokenness. And we may not like to admit it, or maybe even want to hear it. Yet Jesus is the great physician, the one who has come to set us free, the one who can break every chain that holds us, the one who gives us a future and a hope and a life, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, and the one who knows that if we are set free, if we're healed, if we walk into what he is destined for us. That is the very best that can be for us. Because he's the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. So this morning, for some of us, or maybe for people that we know, we care, we love about, love so much, is it time to move on? Is it time to move on? Time to make our identity in Christ and who he is. If it is, what might be stopping us? What might stop us? Is it fear? You know, this, this comfort zone of whatever, this illness of whatever it is, that's become our security. And fear can stop us stepping out of it. Yet it's time to take a leap of faith and, and, and walk and, into all that Jesus has for us. Venture into the new world. Let go of the anger that consumes us. Or stop the, you know, the nursing the injustice that really has caused us so much pain, even from years back. You know, that's the way our country, so many in our country, that's how we identify ourselves. We identify ourselves by injustice in the past on every side, actually. Are we holding maybe on to grief, looking back to something or someone who once, we once held dear? Perhaps we're holding on to a destructive habit, wanting to be healthy and whole, but not wanting to suck whatever it may be that's causing us to be unwell. Maybe because of our illness, God has actually been the center of our resentment. Because if he's a God of the impossible and he hasn't done the impossible for you, then it must be God's fault. 
But as Jesus says, saying to us, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. In other words, let me meet you in the place of despair, in the place of hopelessness. This pool was a place of hopelessness. Let me meet you in the place of despair and hopelessness. And let's begin a journey together. Let me come and shine my light into your darkness and show you the way to freedom, the way to new life, in fact, life in all its fullness. Let me come and give you a glimpse of what can be. Or maybe our reason isn't fear, but a lack of faith or belief that God can bring us freedom. We actually don't believe that God can do it. Glennis. Glennis heads up our prayer ministry team who are here every Sunday, and she's just going to share one simple wee story. Um, well, we, we pray after all the Sunday services, but um, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the lovely things we saw God do um, was after our evening service, and actually we were at the end of the prayer ministry time, and most of the team had gone, and I was just getting ready to leave um, when a man came up and asked if um, we could pray for him. So I, I found someone else to come pray with me. And he had um, hurt his back during the week. He'd bent over to pick something up off the ground and his back had, had gone out. Um, so I just prayed very, very simply, asking the Holy Spirit to come and do what he does. And um, as we were praying, he began to say, oh, I can feel something happening in my back. And then he started to say, oh, I've got a, a, I have a chip in my spine. Um, as well and so we just prayed a bit more about that and really probably just 10 20 seconds of praying and um he suddenly said i have no pain and he was able to walk out with with no pain and that was just because of what the lord had done that the lord had come and healed him thank you glennis as glennis said every sunday we have a prayer ministry team at the front and god does some amazing things you probably don't tell the stories enough. Yet I wonder how many of us walk out through the doors and maybe think, never think of coming for prayer. You see, the reality is, probably after this service, maybe four or five people might come for prayer. I reckon there's more than four or five people in here that have some type of of illness, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual. Maybe we've thought about it, but oh, it's a bit embarrassing, so we, we've never done it. Or maybe it's just unbelief that God can't change the situation. Hopefully, it's not like the man at the pool, and maybe we don't really want to get well at all. Can I encourage you to come forward? They'll be here at the end of their service. Jesus is the great physician. Of course, for some of us, the healing can be obvious, but, or the healing that we need can be obvious. But for others, it's maybe more hidden. And while many of us don't may be able to relate to this guy that's at the pool, there's one thing that we have in common with him, each and every 
one of us. One thing that we need healing from, and that's sin. That's a sickness, actually, that's in all of our lives. As I said, physically, this man was now great, but his heart needed sorted. The inside needed sorted. Jesus met him again and said, look, now I have physically healed you. Sort yourself out spiritually. Get your life in order. You know, this life, however long or short it may be for us, or how healthy or otherwise, it's only a blink in the time of eternity. Unless our sin is dealt with, and it has to be dealt with here on earth, by acknowledging that we are sinful and by acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross for us, actually an eternity of pain and suffering beyond our imagination actually awaits us. Because new life, now a new life in the eternity is only possible through Jesus. So this morning as I finish, do you need the healer's touch today? Is it time to move on and and step into all that the Lord has for you? To begin a journey into freedom, a new life that's shaped by Jesus and not our own situation or the past or or something that someone has done to us. Time to have courage and and offer over our emotional hurts and pains and, and give it to him. Time to be brave and step forward here for prayer. Of course, God can heal you any place, but it is biblical that we pray for one another. There may be time to lay our sin at the foot of the cross and begin a new life with Christ. Please stand. Let's be still for a few moments. And we said the prayer ministry team will be here at the end. And, and while it's something physical, while it's something emotional, whether you need to get spiritually right with the Lord, they would love to pray with you. One thing I'll throw out here at this time, this Maybe you, um, sharp pain in the right ear, not on the inside, but along the rim, top to bottom, affecting the right side of the head, and maybe even the jaw. Is that you this morning? Come forward. Come forward for prayer. But come forward this morning if you have an illness of any kind. You that promise in Scripture that if we draw close to the Lord, He does draw close to us. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Jesus, that you never turn us away when we turn to you. Thank you that you long to meet with us. You long that we live life in all its fullness. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and 
fall afresh in this place. Lord, I pray that you, Lord, come and remove fear. And and Lord, where there's unbelief, Lord, will you just raise up within us a faith and a God who, and for nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible. Amen.